Hey everybody, welcome to From Complex to Queens. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Good. Back in my uh, ancestral New Jersey haunts. <laughs> All right, the so, Garden State welcomes you, Lucas. Yeah, uh, welcomes me back as I sit at the desk I uh, uh, did all my high school work at. You know, it's uh, feels a little strange. Only good grades, I'm sure. I did get a 50, and I mean a literal 50 in French for a semester after I'd gotten into college because I just stopped caring. So uh, that grade was oh oh yes, even <laughs> senioritis. That grade wasn't so great. No. <laughs> well you know it is great christmas and this week we're gonna have a promote extend trade themed uh with christmas okay um just very simple promote extend trade of all of the various christmas carols available trade Which, all of them wow I'm extending all of them because I love Christmas music. (laughs) I'm going to to extend Feliz Navidad and trade everything else. Uh, Okay, I could actually I could think about this a little bit. Um, Feliz Navidad is a bop, just so we're all clear. uh, Hard disagree. Um, uh, I will extend. Uh, Drummer Boy, which I know is very seemingly random, but I've always loved that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll promote. Mm. Crap. Can I just do like that that one Trans Siberian Orchestra song that everyone knows that gets played too much, but I still really like deep down, and I don't know the name of it. Oh, no, I, that one, of course. Every, everyone knows the song I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Unless yeah, that like, song sung by that guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's exactly it. Who knows? Uh, there are no lyrics in that song, actually, so sung by no one. Uh, I'll promote that one, and then, yeah. Uh, let's just trade Jingle Bells, please. I'm trying to remember what that song is called. Okay, we can trade Jingle Bells. I can agree with that one. It's just you know, very... Jingle Bells is actually originally a Thanksgiving song, I found out. It was originally supposed to be about Thanksgiving, and then became the most overused uh, Christmas song ever. Ah. Uh, that Trans-Siberian Orchestra song is called Christmas Canon. Okay, thank you. I um... thought it was Christmas in Sarajevo. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've got to change my answer. I'm trading Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Oh, okay. Bold move. No, I don't think that's bold at all. I don't think anyone likes that song at this point. I do. I like all Christmas songs. What? (laughs) She makes like $3.3 million a year from the royalties on that song. Yeah. It must be nice. Yeah, if if I could uh, switch bank accounts with Mariah Carey, I think I would do so. <laughs> I think there's a net gain. Uh, slight a slight, slight, slight gain. Yeah. I mean, the podcasting business is extremely lucrative, you know. That is very true. All right, well, um, we are 30-something episodes into From Complex to Queens now. And even before that, when 
this show was just kind of a segment tacked on to the beginning, middle, end, whatever of regular Mason Avenue audio. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of dawned on me not that long ago that at no point whatsoever did any of us introduce ourselves to our listeners, to the people that actually go onto the site, our readers. So given that, you know, this is a kind of light week between, you know, Christmas and New Year's next year, I figure now is as good a time as any, I guess, to introduce who we are, why people should care about what we have to say, um, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So would any of you like to go first or should I? You see, I mean, you're the host and you go first. That seems right. well, just in the spirit of Christmas here, I, you know, I, I was just trying to be polite, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So my name, obviously Steve Saipa. Um, I've been a Mets fan, obviously my whole life. Um, my earliest Mets memory is being at a game sometime in like I guess 94, 95. I'm assuming it was my first game, but it's at least the first one that I could remember. And my dad had seats like you know on the field level, so as a kid, that's like you know coming out of the tunnels and seeing the field, and you're so close. It's like one of those kinds of things that you just remember forever. I don't really remember much about the game. Um, and it's kind of annoying because it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't even go back to like baseball reference and, and look at the game logs or anything and figure out what exact game it was. But all I remember is that Edgar Alfonso had either a double, an RBI double, or a home run. And just like getting real hyped because, you know, as a little kid, your team just scored a run, you get hyped. And, uh, yeah, so to, to the 1999-2000s is a good time. You guys are probably a little too young to kind of... That's kind of uh, how I started yeah. with baseball. That's the first season I really remember. Yeah, those are good years. <laughs> uh, 2000, that is. The ending, obviously, wasn't uh, was not, not great, optimal. No. And let's see, then in the early 2000s, I kind of stopped following baseball as closely. One random weird thing, I guess, uh, <laughs> the game, the 9-11 game where Mike Piazza hit the home run and everything. Mm-hmm. I did not know for months, I guess, that the Mets actually won that game. I was living my life for a very long time thinking they lost. I remember exactly where I was. There's a like a a bar restaurant kind of place on Staten Island. It's called the Elm Park Inn. I was there. We were with a couple of my, you know, my parents, a couple of friends, whoever, and we were watching the game. And by the time we were seated, left with the place where the TVs were, the Mets were still losing. I assumed that they lost. I didn't, you know, I was. 12 or 13 at that point so it's not like i regularly got the newspaper i didn't listen to sports uh radio nothing like that religiously the internet was still kind of primitive and it's not like i checked the internet i don't think i had the internet actually Um, did the internet even exist yeah but i had no idea until 
it, it still is kind of weird. Every time I see the highlights of him hitting the home run, the Mets winning, it's still kind of weird to me because deep down, it's still kind of imprinted in my brain that the Mets lost that game. Mm. So, <laughs> but um, obviously then they got good again and I started following, I guess it was 2005 when SNY, you know, came into being. And you could see every single game, every single night and day and everything. So that's, I guess, when I became a, a pretty hardcore fan. So what you're uh, saying is you have the Wilpons to thank for your fandom. I guess. See, that's that's an interesting way of putting it. That's That requires a lot of self-retrospection. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so... I remember for a while I had, like, an account on, like, Mets.com or whatever. And I would, like, comment on that and talk with the people on there. And then at some point, I want to say it was 2008 or 2009 offseason. And I remember just being on Yahoo and there was an article from Amazing Avenue that had been you know, reposted onto the Yahoo sports section because it, it used to be like that. I think it's still that still happens. And it was a story that somebody wrote about how the Mets should sign Jeremy Guthrie and that it would be a good idea. Jeremy and Guthrie, that's Jeremy a name. Guthrie. Mm-hmm. That's uh, didn't he wind up signing with the Orioles instead? Yeah, I don't know if he was an Oriole at that point, <sighs> or if he, but he he did spend a considerable amount of time at the Orioles. Yes. No, he went to the Royals. Uh, right. Okay. Jeremy Guthrie, dude. Damn. And <laughs> I just remember. Yeah, I, I remember reading the article and being like, just, just no. That is a terrible idea. You'd be correct. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Guthrie, career K-9 of 5.3. Right. I remember saying to myself, I mean, this is also before I kind of started learning about sabermetrics and everything. But my main thing was, like, for the year, the prior year, he had, like, a 5.50 ERA. And I think it was over, like, 200 innings or so. So that was a prolonged period of suckitude. And I don't remember why I was so incensed, but I felt like I had to just tell whoever the author was that this this idea of theirs was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for Amazing Avenue. I logged my displeasure. And I stuck around. And from there, I learned all about sabermetric stuff. And eventually, I guess 2011... 2012 somewhere one of those two years they put out a you know a call for authors i applied uh eric was eric simon was in charge of the site at the time the robot yes he he does exist for anybody that questions that he is a real person i've met twice actually um i i was going to be like a, a morning news guy and I think, I don't remember why, but Eric said, I guess, because I had a couple of fan posts in the past about Japanese baseball, which I was into at the time. And he said, oh, you know, you're good at like kind of constructing articles in, in, instead of just kind of 
collecting, you know, bulletins for news briefings. So why don't you go join the minor league team? I said, okay, sure. I knew nothing about the minor leagues. Um, it was fun. And I've learned a ton from Rob Castellano, who was in charge at the time. And then obviously Jeffrey Padnastro. Um, and here I am. And it's been uh, it's been fun. And I can honestly say that I, I definitely do appreciate minor league baseball and just the minor league system, you know, landscape, I guess, as a whole, more so than just going to like major league games and, and following the actual Mets. I guess if the Mets were better <laughs> and their future was less uh, hazy as it is now. <laughs> that would that might be a bit different, but I can honestly say that I've turned down to go to like big league games because I just didn't you know wasn't interested. But I'll go to a Cyclones game in extremely inclement weather and sit there and get rained on for like 45 minutes. Yeah, as yeah. Ken can attest to. Can confirm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now, let me ask this. How many times, uh, how, how many iterations of Jeff saying your name incorrectly did it take before you felt you learned things about the minor leagues from his podcast? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> For those of you who aren't familiar, uh, how did Jeff used to say your name on like literally every Amazing Avenue audio? I, I was Steve Sippa. He's not the only person to say that. That's, that is the most common uh, mispronunciation of my name. <laughs> This is going on for I years. I still mispronounce your name because of that. <laughs> I thought it was Sippa too. <laughs> just from hearing it for like literally years. <laughs> I'm just one of those kinds of people though. Like if you mispronounce, I'm so used to it. Just like, eh, whatever. It's fine. Not, not worth the effort to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember when, when the uh, transition from incorrect to correct began. I don't think I actually ever said anything. I think it actually might have been like I when when Jeffrey left and um, I started doing just kind of like the, the minor league updates. On I honestly think you might be correct. Yeah. I totally remember this conversation happening in the Slack. Like, have I, Jeff saying, like, I pronounced your name wrong all these years? Like, what? <laughs> and then I, I remember uh, one of the commenters left a, a message, a, a comment saying like, wow, I can't believe that he's been saying it wrong the whole time. That reminds me of, what the hell is his name? He is a coach now in the Mets system and he was with the Giants and they were mispronouncing his name basically his entire career. Their new bench coach? No, 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 no. He was, um, let's see. You mean Sir Hensley Mullins? No, no, no. Uh, let me look it up. Good hire, by the way. I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah, could not be happier about it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can't find it. I don't want to take up too much time here. I want to say his name is Jerome Williams. Was that uh, it? I could not tell you. You're stumping me at the moment. Mm. But let's see. I mean, here's his Wikipedia page here. Oh, wow. He's been to a lot of teams. Well, basically, um, he was 
incorrectly called, yeah, I think it was Jerome Williams. And whoever his first coach was mistakenly called him Jeremy. And being a rookie, he did not want to correct a veteran. And for years and years and years, everybody called him Jeremy when in fact his name was actually Jerome. And he just never said it. That's great. (laughs) I'm tempted. uh, I do want to loop back way back to the start of this conversation and just give us all a chance to remember that time Jeremy Guthrie made a start for the Nationals in 2017. Did he really? Wow. He made a start for the Nationals in 2017. He recorded two outs. He walked four batters, didn't strike out anyone, and gave up ten runs. All that sounds runs. about right. <laughs> Jeremy Guthrie, everyone. Huh. Yes, here we go. It was Jerome Williams. Uh, quote, unquote. Here we go. When I was in minor league camp, I went over to big league camp to play in a game. And I think it was Felix Rodriguez. He called me Jeremy. And that was it. I was a rookie and I didn't want to tell anybody because I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little concerning. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't think I was scared of Jeff. He's no, not I don't a particularly think, scary person. I don't, think I, any. I don't think he would try to be a scary person, but like I said, it's just one of those things that has always been, and when people mispronounce my name, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I launched us off on that aside. <laughs> but yeah, so that is uh, me in a nutshell, and I've had lots of fun you know, being the uh, head dude in charge for all the minor league stuff over the last couple of years, and you know, hopefully uh, another another couple of years. And then you can go work for a major league team. You know, that's exactly that's the dream. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's I. My brother is just like, man, you should apply for all these major league baseball uh, openings and things like that. All the stuff that you've done with the website and your podcasting. I'm like, dude, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not how any of this works. No, it's not how any of this works. It's a hobby, a fun hobby, and nothing more. Mm. Steve, right, do well, you have a, a favorite prospect from uh, your years covering? Uh, or somebody who, like you liked for whatever reason or somebody you felt you were higher on than the rest of. Oh, so he's, I think um, I'm, I'm his only Twitter follower <laughs> left. Juan Urbina, of course. Ah, ah, that's a good one. I think when I first started doing all of them, first started getting into Mets minor league stuff, he was like still very young left-hander with some promise. And he, I think, was the first guy that fit the mold of, you know, very talented but projectable young left-hander who comes from, you know, uh, a bloodline. But, you know, his career may go in many different directions. And obviously his his career kind of uh, flatlined. But I was, I was, I guess, irrationally excited about him. And for whatever reason, you know, every so often when I clear my Twitter followers and, uh, and people I'm following, whatever, 
and I see him and I'm just like, nah, I can't do it. Even though I don't think he I don't think he tweets nothing of any relevance ever, but I just can't I just can't cut the cord. It's that relationship you just can't quit. Yeah, yeah. Good luck to him, whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, enough about me. How about you guys? Ken, which one of us has been here longer? Uh, definitely you. Really? Yeah, I started in 2018, I think. Oh, geez. Okay, yeah, then definitely me. I think I started 2016, 17. All right, anyway. Uh, all right, what's my shtick exactly? Uh, so... Uh, the, my, I, I was not really oh, too too aware of the Mets in 2000. Like, I'm sure I watched the games with my dad, but I don't really remember them so much. I have like a couple scattered moments in my head of like Mike Piazza doing something or other. Uh, I have one memory of like someone someone hit a three run home run, and then Mo Vaughn went back to hit a solo home run right after that. That's like one of my few baseball memories from that era. Hell yeah. Uh, move on uh that's a, a real retro one um but uh, the first season i really paid attention was 2006 uh uh my first real distinct memory is uh i think that like i have a couple things that might be from the actual season but my first real distinct memory is that uh crazy double play at home plate in uh the nlds against the dodgers mm-hmm we had the Sean Green to uh, Jose Valentin to Paul LaDuca to get um, is it Andre Ethier and someone else at the plate. I might be wrong. That might be too early for Ethier. I don't remember who was out at the plate, but they tagged two people out at the plate. It was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, so that's my first distinct memory, really. And then, of course, I remember most of the series against the Cardinals. Uh, I remember, like running around my kitchen after Andy made the catch in game seven, convinced <laughs> they were going to win that game. And then uh, just kind of staring dumbfounded at the TV as Aaron Heilman blew it. Fuck Aaron Heilman, man. Fucking yeah, Aaron Heilman. Um, so that was the point at which I got into baseball in general. And then I, uh, as the natural competitor that I am to a fault, got into fantasy baseball, which led me to, uh, I don't know, so I'm pretty sure these are now gone, but I started out on the old MLB Trade Rumors forums way back when, uh, just like poking around for fantasy advice and then gradually talking about baseball. Actually, one of my friends from those the, those forums, uh, he and I run a dynasty league now, so, so I still talk to some people from back then. Uh, but I distinctly remember there was some person who was a troll in retrospect for sure but i don't think the idea of a troll really existed in my head yet <laughs> who was out there proposing trades like i think it was something like nick johnson for baldo Jimenez back when Jimenez was good and nick mm. johnson was on the yankees he was like yeah the rockies need a back of first baseman and the mexican uh, and the yankees need an ace this makes sense uh so that's what started me on the path of like wanting to understand how to evaluate players and it led me to sabermetrics um, and eventually that, that forum community died down and I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but the first place I went was mesmerized. I was, uh, a pretty avid mesmerized reader back in the day. Uh, I think I even had like their equivalent of a fan post or fan shot, whatever way back when with like an off season plan for signing Jose Abreu and, and, 
who else did I want? I don't even remember. It was a mess. Um, but the reactions to that post were so like loony that I wound up at a Mason Avenue instead. <laughs> uh, it was like trying to argue with people in the comments was like, I, I can't, I can't deal with this. I, I, I just, I can't do it. Um, so I made my way over to Amazing Avenue and I did a, at some point I made a fan post. I think this was 2014. So coming out of the, the tail end of that rebuild, Mets are starting to think about like getting better. And I wrote this really long, like 2000 page fan post talking about uh, uh, why the Mets shouldn't trade for Troy Tulowitzki. And I will say I was totally right. I'm glad they did not trade. Like, I think the example I used was that like, Brandon, that Troy Tulowitzki was not worth Brandon Nimmo and Noah Syndergaard, and I was 100% right. Uh, so thank you very much. Good job, past me. Uh, and I wrote that post, and Eric actually reached out to me afterwards and was like, "That was uh, a good post. Do you want to do a couple like trial pieces to see if you could write for us?" And then I did, and somehow I didn't make a total fool of myself. And uh, Several years later, here I am. I think that was the summer of 2017 because I was going into undergrad at the time. Does that sound right? No, no, that can't. No, no, that was when I was finishing undergrad. So that must have been 2014. Sorry, sorry. The years are all it's it's all a mush in my head. So that was 2014, and then I'd always just read a lot about the minor leagues i don't claim to be a scout i certainly don't know how to evaluate prospects by eye but i always found it interesting especially as my like scientific career moved through machine learning and statistics to think about the statistical side of prospects and how you could evaluate them mathematically and all the flaws associated uh with that process how you could make it better um so, so that's where my heart still is, and I definitely understand that the numbers are always flawed and or meaningless, depending on context, but, but I still care about them a lot. But I've, I've just read a lot since then, like as much as I could. I've watched whatever I can, and I think that gives me some ability to, to reasonably evaluate things. Of course, then I misevaluate uh, certain pitching prospects and get angry tweets from their brothers brothers on uh, in the middle of the season. So... No, maybe I really don't know what I'm doing after all. Lucas, we all have a type here. <laughs> Your type is not Anthony K. <laughs> yeah, my type is not uh, low strikeout, uh, injury-prone college pitchers, you know? Of course, then he turned out to be none of those. So not two of those things, I guess, but <laughs> oops. Hey, it happens. Yeah, that was a big miss on my part. I remember being a big uh, Jace Boyd defender back in the day, so. Jace Boyd! Just we all have, we all have hit and misses. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Trying to think of who I would if I was really high on at one point. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. No, I was always lower on F Mart than everyone else for no good reason. I won't even claim credit for that. I was just pure dumb luck. You just get vibes. Sometimes. Yeah, I was just like not not a fan. Uh. Anybody you were like really crazy about that turned out to be good? I'm thinking about it. I was big on the Lucas Duda type train. Uh, like I was really into Duda. Uh, even as even when Ike was good, I thought Duda was going to be really special just because I could look at his major league stats. It's like he, he was, he's like one of the. I think I think when Duda was coming up, uh, we still weren't at the point where everyone accepted Saber so readily. So 
people would definitely argue that Lucas Duda wasn't good, even though he had like a 400 on base percentage or whatever. So I, w- I was really big into Lucas Duda. Um, and then in terms of guys that didn't work out, I'm sure there's plenty. Like I loved Henry Mejia. was uh, not the best. Uh, you can always say it, it, that's, you know, Mejia is very complicated and there's a lot of factors that uh, play into why he did not work out. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. It's always harder to remember your misses, honestly. Like, there's a serious uh, confirmation bias. Survivorship bias? One of those biases. I don't know. Let's see if I can find, like, a top 10 I participated in from, like, 2016. Did I participate in this one? I don't know if I did. I just know that I like whenever I have to go back and reference, like, if I'm writing up something, and I'll, I'll say, like, you know, this guy was rated our X number prospect in this year. And I go back and look at the lists and I, I kind of just scan everybody's every time I see that, like I placed a player, um, the same ranking as Jeffrey. I'm just like, yes, <laughs> nice. Cause obviously he is, you know, his, his, he's a font of knowledge. Oh, well, I'm looking at my 2016 top 25, and it's uh not good. <laughs> oh god, this is terrible. <laughs> uh so I was very high on Wilmer Becerra, but he got hurt, so yeah. I thought Akil Morris and uh, uh Dario Alvarez were actually good, and spoiler alert, they were not actually good. At I all. liked Morris. I liked Morris. Uh, he had that one outing in Toronto and just got destroyed. Yeah, that kind of that was the end of that. Eudor Garcia? I don't even remember who that is. Oh, I loved Eudor Garcia. He was a third baseman. Yeah, that um, much I remember. You he had got him. He got released for like crazy. He got busted purposes. for HGH a couple, uh, whatever it was. You I had him tense. Yes, he was a third baseman, kind of bad body, like similar to Wilmer Flores, kind of bad bodied. Uh-huh. Um, he had a good season that year. I remember the exact rationale was that his numbers in i guess it was 90 games or you know it was a little bit less than an entire season but his numbers were either on par or would have exceeded if you you know extended it a couple of more games uh wilmer becerra's numbers who who obviously was very hyped at the time mm-hmm. and you know garcia was a third round draft pick he was a good bat and really it was just the the bad body and the kind of questions as to whether or not he'd be able to stick at third that kind of got people to overlook him mm-hmm. and then of course like months later he got busted for hgh or steroids whatever and only played in like 20 games the next year and he was bad and then he got released and that was the end of that but that's yeah. Udo garcia yeah i had him you had him 10th i had him 20th and Jeff had him 24th. Should have listened to Jeff. <laughs> Should have listened to Jeff. Yep. You had Gavin Sakiti second and I had him third. God damn it. Uh, I Cheech. feel like a lot of people missed on Cheech. Yeah. Ugh. I just just never, I was never a fan of that profile. I don't know why I rated him that high. I I was severely disappointed when they drafted him. Uh huh. It's just a terrible use of a first-round pick. I, I didn't understand what they saw in him at all. I don't think they did either. 
like people always wanted to relitigate um Brandon Nimmo versus Jose Fernandez. And it was like, okay, no, I get I get why you liked Brandon Nimmo. Like the Yeah, no, like the, there was legitimate upside there. Uh-huh. He didn't reach a lot of it, but still ended up very good. Yeah, like there was like, like he was a, <laughs> you yeah, never he really grew into the power. Yeah. yeah, he has he has but solid, he's but still he, like a borderline six. <laughs> you can argue that like his center field defense never really progressed. But I think everything else, I mean, the hitting, he's a, he's a fair hitter. The dude, the dude, well, I don't want to, like, base too much off last season, but the dude's been a straight-up elite hitter when healthy. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the hitting, whatever the average is, it gets augmented by the OBP. Mm-hmm. The power, you know, I mean, he's he's not a 20-20 guy, like, you know, kind of thought he might be at the time earlier in his career, but enough to keep his you know to keep him in the lineup and that's all you he, need he's really eye. like an outlier when it comes to on base percentage his eye might be an eight seven yeah, no like i'll never forget i went to a game with my cousin when uh in 2018 when he first got his first like big run mm-hmm. i remember turning to him and saying i don't know if he's gonna hit enough but this guy takes a hell of an ab oh yeah mm-hmm. so it's Joey Votto-esque. Not that Brandon Nimmo's Joey Votto, but his his approach is is that in that echelon. Um, so point, my point being that Brandon Nimmo, at least there is upside there, and who knows, maybe if he doesn't have the 50 leg inch the center field defense, he'll be there. Gavin Zucchini just made no sense. A low ceiling middle infielder with no power or body projection. Yeah, they they bet heavily that he was going to be a shortstop, and surprise. He really didn't make it to double uh, this one. <laughs> no, no. And he just got uh, his free agency this offseason, and I, I doubt he's uh, back. I doubt if he even gets signed. Who knows? Yeah. He's young, uh, though, so. He might end up in, like, being, like, a Korean League legend. A <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see, see it. I could see um, it. I hope he does. That would be uh, yeah. good for him and, and good for us entertainment-wise, I guess. So that leaves us with you, Ken. I really hadn't realized that I'd been here that long. That makes me feel old, honestly. Yep. Well, let's take a break here, and you'll get a couple of seconds older as we break for this commercial. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas and Ken. And Ken was now going to our... Not junior member, but our youngest member. Uh, he's going to just talk a little bit about himself here. Steve, I think uh, we may have lost Ken. Oh, nope, he's back. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm back. Sorry, you wow. guys went silent. For a that, would have been, that would have been a terrible uh, time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I assume you just introduced me. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so... I've been a Mets fan, really, the first season I really remember was 2000. Uh, Mike Piazza was, like, the biggest deal, uh, my childhood hero. <laughs> um, I had, like, the jersey, I had, a, like, a Piazza hat. When I was, like, eight or nine, he was, like, the coolest thing. Did you have a jersey or a jersey? I believe I had both. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I was, like, a fanatic did you have those black? Those, yeah, the sick black uniform. They, they sure. were they were black. Yes. Excellent. 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 Yeah, I, I still love that aesthetic. Uh-huh. 
Uh, I'm glad they don't really wear the jerseys as much, uh, but I do miss the hats. The hats were, were pretty yeah, good. I think I had a Jose Reyes black one way back when. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, so like I, I didn't really follow the team super closely um, on like an everyday basis until like t- 2006. I'd like watch games with my dad and stuff and went to a lot of games just with the family. Um, but I kind of became like a fanatic in 2006. The playoffs really kind of cemented that. And then, um, you know, stayed with me all through college. Uh, and then in college, that's kind of when I started to get into the minor leagues uh, a little more because the Mets were, you know, largely speaking, terrible from like 2010 <laughs> to like 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the system got really interesting. So it, it became kind of cool to be like, yeah, they're bad now, but there's some hope <laughs> below the the major league level. And I miss uh, that feeling. Yeah, I mean we'll get there. I feel like eventually. It's not the last we've seen of <laughs> um like the good minor league system for the Mets. But uh yeah, and then I, I found the site I think in like 2014. Uh, I think f- from prospect stuff, I got like really frustrated with wherever I was. I think it was it might have just been like Prospect Pipeline or something uh, at Baseball America and stuff. And I found Amazing Avenue through that being like a um, like a team specific source and then really learned a lot from reading Jeff and, and you and Steve and uh, Rob and Greg Karam. Oh, Greg. I forgot Greg. 2014 or so through, you know when I signed up for the site in 2018. Uh, I think I was a lurker until 2015. And then I had, I was fairly regular in the comments from 2015 to 2018 when I, you know, messaged Chris McShane, seeing if I could join the staff. Um, and yeah, um, really the, the big thing for me with the minor leagues was um, I got a, a login for MILB.TV. Yeah. <laughs> And once once it became, um, you know, a little more real than just, you know, looking at box scores and stuff where I, I could add context to things, I, I really, really got into it. Where, like, I was watching the, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies pretty much, like, every day at work, just in the background while I was working on, like, drawings and stuff. And uh, I feel like I, I really got into the system just from watching video, like, crazy amounts of video. Uh yeah, the MLB TV is definitely a game changer. Yeah. It'd be nice if every stadium would just get it and also get a camera angle that wasn't like from third base. But We're pretty spoiled now, though. We are. Binghamton has a decent uh, feed. Uh, I have my issues with them, but <laughs> they, they have the center field camera now. Um, Columbia's, Columbia's one of the best. Good. Syracuse is all right. Uh, you occasionally see videos on Twitter from like I don't know what stadium, like random, random ass other teams. I, I maintain Hartford has like a legitimate, uh, like big league caliber broadcast. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like perfectly centered. Oh, that's nice. I mean, hell, that's better than a lot of major league broadcasts. Yeah. Then there's some real bad ones. Uh, yeah. I remember thinking like Justin Dunn had like the game of his life because their camera angle is so perfect that you could see the movement on everything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
spoiler alert, it, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't we sit down and relegate how good Justin Dunn is no, and whether no. the Edwin Dias trade is worth it. I have no interest in ever doing that again. <laughs> Justin Dunn, I wish him well, but he's dead to me as a prospect. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. I, 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 I'm so tired of talking about Justin Dunn. He's pretty good in double A last year. He's fine. If you don't want to talk about Justin Dunn, how about we talk about Jared Kalanick? Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> Jared Kalanick's at least, like, interesting as a prospect. Mm. He is. Like, he's very good. <laughs> yes. All right, I have him in, like, three dynasty leagues. I'm holding on tightly. Nope. Mm-hmm. So who is your uh, guy that you just kind of can't let go of? Uh, let's see. Who did I think was, like, really good? The first one was Cesar Pulo. Uh, uh, I, I, I think, like, he, that was the first year, uh, or one of the, the early years I was following it was um, the year he just went, like, apeshit in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, 2013 or something. 13, I think it was, When yeah. he got suspended for um, PEDs. I remember thinking, like, if he got a shot in the big leagues, man, this guy's going to hit. And, again, spoiler alert, he did not hit. Um, he did I'm make the, it, though, and he's bouncing he around. So. He did. Um, and then on the other side, you know, I, I've spoken at length on this podcast and, and in other forums about how Michael Conforto was, like, the perfect prospect in my point of view. Every every team has a Michael Conforto, Ken. Uh, I, I refuse to agree with that. Yeah, it's because it's objectively wrong. <laughs> I remember like seeing him um, 2014 was maybe like the first year I, I followed the draft like before it happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, OK, yeah, this guy's going to hit. <laughs> Dude rakes. Yep. I'm and, a big, I, dumb idiot who liked Bradley Zimmer more. Mock me. No, I mean, please. no, no. It's mm-hmm. just like, like I, I remember seeing him in, in double A in 2015 or like following him relatively closely in double A in, in 2015. I don't know if I actually saw him or not. Um, but like thinking like, okay, the rest of the industry is like low on this guy for not good reasons. Mm-hmm. I think they were like bitching about his defense or whatever. His defense, how much? I don't understand. Turned out to be very good. Like, it's not even like he was a he had a bad body or anything. It's like this guy is totally gonna be fine in a corner. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm convinced that people like look for things on on certain profiles. Like just look for things to to knock players on. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of weird because I remember writing. Like back in the day when I really did a, a when when I had less responsibility and I really did uh, in depth like profiles about the guys that might be drafted and I remember you know there I go to a bazillion different sources and and what I wrote is just kind of an amalgamation of everything and I remember writing like you know Conforto's defense it's it's He's not a plus defender, but, you know, he, he'll, he's more or less like a net neutral defender. Like, he's not going to burn you, but, you know, you're not going to get really too much out of him. He's, he's fine, and it is what it is. And, you know, that's from a bunch of different sources. And I don't know where the – I don't know where, where the idea that he's a terrible defender, like, came from because he never was. You know, I don't know if it kind of – you know, net neutral defender kind of morphed into a negative defender, but I don't know. That dude is like a slightly above average corner outfielder who can, in a pinch, fake it in center. Yep. Of course, on the Mets, that means he plays up too much center, but it's it's the Mets, so. 
Yeah, I, I remember thinking I have no idea why this guy isn't like a top 20 prospect in baseball mm-hmm. by like halfway through 2015. I never got why people loved Kyle Schwarber and didn't like Michael Conforto. I like actively don't like Kyle Schwarber because of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a serious debate in 2015. Yeah. I I believe I was like, team the Schwarber. Idea was he was going to hit something like 50 home runs a year and it turned out that was not <laughs> realistic at all. Turns out he just can't hit lefties at all and also can't hit for average and unshockingly isn't a catcher or an outfielder. Is he's actually a decent outfielder, I think. Is he? I thought he was By a terrible outfielder. I don't know. Uh, he's like a, one of those guys who um, bucket-based metrics like because they don't they don't account for positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. The Cubs happen to be very good at positioning, or historically have been very good at positioning. You're telling me that smart teams are smart, Ken? Yeah. I mean, mm. I don't know if I'd go ahead calling the the Cubs <laughs> analytically <laughs> analytically. Uh, well, I wouldn't even call them cutting edge anymore. But analytically, modern teams are are better with things like positioning. I'm shocked. Yep. The Mets are behind the curve. Yeah. No. The ultimate example of of this type of thing is Pete Alonso, by the way. People, you know, looking for reasons not to buy into a prospect. Hmm. I mean, having seen I mean, Pete Alonso, like, his I, I defense mean, was kind of bad. No, yeah, it was bad, but, like, also the guy hits 900-foot home runs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairly regularly, <laughs> like. Now, we, we always got reports on Pete that, like, a ball in the air, he literally couldn't do anything about it. I don't think we saw him struggle with a pop-up at all. How, how often does that actually happen, though? Yeah, <laughs> also like a guy make it to the big leagues because of his bat and it turns out he just can't catch things uh that ever happened <laughs> dan vogelback uh daniel murphy <laughs> oh, okay. daniel so, murphy in left field <laughs> <laughs> daniel murphy would have been fine at first base he was fine at second base for a while i'm pretty sure he was the starting first baseman for a while yeah oh was that opening day 2012 when he dropped that ball in Miami with Johan on the mound. Oh, that was painful. But yeah, uh, Mets are not a smart team. It would be nice if be nice if they were. Uh, I mean, would we still be Mets fans? We all have a deep-seated uh, feel, uh, center of self-loathing and Unadmitted masochism if we're Met fans. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure if 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 some uh, enterprising graduate student wanted to do a study about kind of personality types. That is not the kind of graduate student I am. Uh, <laughs> well, no, 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 excuse me. I was not implying that you should, but I'm just saying uh, that does seem like it's fertile ground for someone that you know is interested in sociology and is interested in baseball. Mm-hmm looking at the kind of different personality types and characteristics, differentiations between Mets fans, Yankee fans, things of that nature. The psychology of fandom must be an interesting topic. Yeah. And one that uh, doesn't make us feel any better about ourselves once we get the answers. (laughs) We're all big, dumb idiots caring about something we can't control. Yep. Yep. 
your enjoyment hangs on the whims of billionaires that care little for you. And literally, you are totally powerless. Eat Arby's. Eh, oh well. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, Thomas was unfortunately unable to join us. Um, so if we're able to get him on the show next week, he could introduce himself. Uh, he is our our new junior member. So, Ken, you've graduated and... Oh Thomas yeah. Is, so how uh, how are we hazing the new guy? <laughs> We're gonna to subject him. To... We should make him write up all of the IFA guys that we know nothing about. Oh, uh, I already did. I already did that. Damn. I'm about uh, I'm about 20 pages into the uh, other guys of note. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the only prospect I've written up for this season is Alexander Ramirez. Oh yeah, I should probably start on those, shouldn't I? I mean, I'm not going to do any more <laughs> until Steve tells me when he needs it. <laughs> I think I think an appropriate hazing for Thomas would be that he has to go back and read every single one of Rich Staff's tweets. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think that I think that's. Oh, can like we outlawed. can we plug Rich's Twitter real fast? Sure. Oh, no. Yeah, for um, high-quality baseball analysis and uh, breaking content, please follow at Rich Staff. Seven. Wait, he, his Twitter should definitely be plugging us at this point. What? Oh, Rich is an up-and-comer. Yeah, sure. Uh, All right. Um, well, if anyone has any questions about anything... If you would like to tell us about how we're wrong and rub our faces in all of our wrongness, you can go ahead and email us at our email address, which is from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Sipa. Sipa. Sipa? <laughs> Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Subscribe to with the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And obviously, thank you everybody for listening. If you all did not listen, then we would just kind of be talking into a void, which is decidedly less fun. Mm-hmm. And um, list season is going to be starting. Our 2020 prospect list drops on New Year's Day, January 1st. So next week uh, we'll we'll have some previews. Uh, Talk about guys that maybe just missed it. Talk about some sleepers. Things of that nature. So, until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. Happy holidays.